0: a moment. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, you are a good and amazing God, and we are here to sing and to worship and to praise you today. And We thank you, Lord, how we can all come together as one big family here at Genesis and just be reminded of your great love for us. And uh, we thank you, Father. We thank you for how you provide for all of our needs. And we thank you for the ministry through this church. We're so excited to partner with people like ICF Church. And we love, Lord, what you're doing uh, through that church right now in the Balkans and even beyond that. And we're praying for them even this morning as they're ministering today to their own people, that you would give them strength and courage and faith. Uh, Father, you just give them great faith in the good news of Jesus Christ, and we pray you'd provide for all of their needs, and we thank you, Lord, for how our financial gifts, uh, those gifts that you've given to us that we can give now and and just kind of reach out and to be generous to a church like ICF, Lord, how you're going to use those gifts to answer some of their greatest prayers and help even more people find their way back to God. And we pray for this trip that'll be coming up this year. We pray for those men and women, even here from our own church, Lord, who are gonna prayerfully consider taking a bold step to go on this trip, Father. We know that you have just the right people in mind and that you'll provide for all of the needs they have as they prepare uh, to go. Lord, again, I want to thank you for this family. I want to thank you for the financial gifts that will be given now, and we pray you take them, Lord, and bless them and use them in amazing ways so that even more people will come to know Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So I'm going to invite our host team to come forward right now. We celebrate here at Genesis every time we take an offering because the Lord is good and he is the provider of all these good things. Let's celebrate as our host team comes forward. All right, if you've got a Bible with you today, um, I'd love for you to follow along with me. There are kids' Bibles all around the room. And so kids, if you're going to grab one of those right now, why don't you turn to page 12 48 1248 in there uh, big kids or adults uh, there are also Bibles around the room if you want to grab one of those you can turn to page 786 uh, we'll also have our verses up on the screen today uh, as you're turning there I, I want to just mention one more thing to you I want to tell you a little bit about my schedule these next couple of weeks uh, next Sunday I got I've got to have the opportunity to go over and preach at our Carmel campus and I'm looking forward to sharing with them Kevin Russell our disciple making pastor will be preaching here as we start Start a brand new series, and then in two weeks, May 7th, I'll be here to preach, but I want you to know, if you haven't heard already, that will be the last time that I teach until August, and it's because I have the privilege of taking a sabbatical this summer. Uh, this is something that the elders have been working on for me and uh, with me, and one of the really cool things about it is that uh, we received as a church uh, from the Lilly Endowment, a grant that will help fund my sabbatical for the summer. And so just some really cool things that are going to come from it. In May I'll be studying in Israel for a couple of weeks, so I'm really excited about that. There's going to be uh, some great time of getting out and visiting some churches. I look forward to visiting some of my friends in ministry and seeing what they're up to. Our family's going to get some cool experiences together. And then I'm coming back in August, all right? And from time to time that question comes up. I'm coming back in August, all right? And uh, so I, I want to thank you again for this opportunity again, May 7th will be my last Sunday until August. And man, we've got a great summer planned. Uh, our campus pastor, Ben, is going to be doing a lot of the preaching. And you know, he does a fantastic job here in Noblesville week after week. And so we appreciate Ben. You're going to hear from Kevin and Steve. But we've also got some guests coming this summer, too. Josh Tandy, who used to be on staff here, who pastors a church in the Cincinnati area, is going to preach for a couple of weeks. Uh, we also have a pastor from Kenya, a guy by the name of Ken Kamau. Who's going to preach here? I look forward to you hearing from him. So it's going to be a really fun summer, and you're going to love it. I want you to stay dialed into everything that's happening here at Genesis this summer. Okay? All right. So Romans chapter eight. uh, This is the last week in this Romans eight series. Why in the world would we spend five weeks? Uh, working through Romans chapter eight well it 's that good all right it 's a great chapter out of the Bible, and I like what one person he said. He said, "If Holy Scripture was a ring, and the epistle to the Romans it 's precious stone, Romans eight would be the sparkling point of the jewel all right uh, it 's just a reminder to us that this is the good news. All right, and the Apostle Paul says it very well here in Romans chapter eight, going all the way back to week one. We talked about how we are free, right? We sang about that just a moment ago, that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We know that we're empowered if you're in Christ, that you have the very presence of God living inside of you. We know that we're adopted, all right, when we turn our lives over to Jesus, okay, which means that we're a part of a great big family. That's part of what we're demonstrating here this morning. We talked about last weekend on Easter how we are the redeemed, all right, we saying about that too, all right, that redemption that we've been given through Jesus Christ and now the part we have to play in this world in helping people find their way back to God. And here's where we want to conclude it today. And if you're taking notes and you want to write this down, what we see, what we're going to see in these verses here this morning is that we are loved by God. All right, there is a deep and amazing love that he has for each of us. It's like the gasoline in the engine of the car. I mean, it is the power that makes things go. And that's what the Apostle Paul wants us to see today is that it's his love that provides for us everything that we need to live our lives here on this earth. And so I know you've got your Bibles open. Let's look at Romans chapter eight. I wanna look at all of the verses. Uh, Together, we're gonna read through them and then we'll come back and kind of work through them little by little. So Romans chapter eight, starting in verse 31. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Uh, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. And he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I I don't know if you see it the same way that I do, but for me, I can almost hear the urgency. All right? In the Apostle Paul's voice as he writes these words. Why? Why? Well, he's desperate for us to understand what the love of God means, all right, and how it should impact everything that we do. Impact what? Well, impact things like how we treat others. Uh, How you treat uh, other students that maybe you go to school with or other kids that that live on your street. It it ought to impact the way that you uh, respect your teachers and the way that you respond uh, to those that work at at your school. It, it, It ought to impact, again, the way that we love our neighbors. It ought to impact the way that we love our friends and our coworkers. It ought to impact the way that we would treat those that we might say are our enemies Uh, It ought to have everything to do. It it ought to influence and impact what we do with our time. It ought to to be a big deal in the way that you play your instrument or uh, in the way that you play soccer. Uh, it, It ought to have a lot to do with our careers and how we go to work every single day and how we view all of life. The love of God ought to impact and influence all of life and how we understand our relationship with God. Because everything changes when you realize the depths and the magnitude of God's love for you. But there's a challenge. There's a great big challenge. It's a challenge that I understand this morning, and it's the challenge of how do you even begin to explain something like the love of God? How do you get your mind around that? Because here's the thing. I think part of the challenge comes from the fact that the word love, Or the word loved is a little polluted, you know? I mean, we use it so casually today in our culture. I mean, think about how we'll use the word love to describe just about anything that we admire. Like, uh, think about how so quickly we might say, I love my dog. Anybody ever say anything like, how many of you love your dog right now? All right? Okay, all right, lots of people. How many of you love your cat? Not as many hands in the room that went up for cats, right? But we'll say that. You know, we we. How many of you would say, you know, what I love my chinchilla? Anybody got a chinchilla here? Is that true? All right, maybe some ch- some chinchilla lovers in the room, or or we'll say things like I love tacos, yeah, or yeah. so how many? I love pizza, right? Yeah, you know, I love pizza. We'll say things like that, or how, I love unicorn frappuccinos. Any Any anybody love those? I, I, we're not sure about those yet, and. Uh, or, or we'll say, you know, I love Fridays, or I love summer break, or, hey, the same goes for the adults or the big kids in the room. Like, think about this, big kids. How many of you have ever said, I love Diet Coke, or uh, not just any Diet Coke, but Diet Coke from McDonald's, all right? Anybody testify to that, all right? Some people that love Diet Coke from McDonald's, and so you're willing to acknowledge that. And so I think you see the challenge. You know, a kid might say, I love pizza, and then turn right around and say, I love Jesus, Right? Or we might say, I I love Diet Coke from McDonald's, and with the same enthusiasm, say, I I love Jesus too. And so you can just kind of see how it gets confusing, all right? Because the word we use for love can be used to describe our relationship with so many different things. But here's what's interesting. As the Apostle Paul writes these words here in Romans chapter 8 about the love of God, he had his choice of several different words from the Greek language for this word love. And so let me tell you just about a few of those, a few of those Greek words uh, from well, that we, that could have been used here. There's there's the Greek word eros, all right, and it's a love that's based on feelings and emotions. It's a love that's based mostly on, on physical touch. Uh, there's the Greek word philia, all right. That's another word for love. It's a it's a good and positive word that describes love between two friends or uh, the love between siblings. You know, a brother and sister. It's a love that communicates faithfulness. But there's another word for love, and it's the word agape. Any of you ever heard, kids, you've ever heard of this word, agape love? Maybe you've talked about this in Gen Kids. It's a selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. It's a love that has no expiration date. It's a love that doesn't come with a list of requirements. It's a love that loves even when nothing is offered in return. And that's what God's love is like. It's an agape love. Well, would you care to guess which word Paul uses here in Romans 8? to describe God's love. Which one do you think it is? Agape love, right? Yeah, that's what God's getting at here. He's talking about this agape love. That's the kind of love God has for us. It's the same love that we read about in John chapter 3, verse 16. Let's read it aloud together, all right? Every single one of us. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life life this is God's agape love for us it's a selfish sacrificial unconditional love it's a love that is offered even when nothing comes in return and that's the kind of love God has for you that's the kind of love that God has for each of you each of us today now here's something else that is hard not only is it difficult to understand or even explain you know what what Paul is up to here but it can also be hard for us to accept it right It can be hard for us at times to accept that God really loves us like that. I mean, think about how often maybe you mess up or uh, if you get in trouble or if you've got people that are upset with you about something. Well, because that typically happens and maybe people will sometimes withhold their love from us. Don't we kind of project that same attitude on God at times that if I mess up, well, maybe we question whether God really loves us or not. Maybe you've had some thoughts like that before. All right, Maybe you've, you, you've wondered about some of those things, and if, and if he's upset, all right, if he gets upset, like maybe someone else in my life would get upset, well, maybe we, we question his love at times. But can I tell you something? All right, And this is so true, and this is so good for us today. There's not one person in this room right now that has ever done anything so great to make God love you any more or any less than how he loves you right now. His love for you never changes. He loves you because he loves you, and that's who he is, and that's what he's about. Let's do this. Let's read through these verses again one more time in Romans chapter 8, and we're going to stop as we go, but I want to see if we can identify a few things in these words that can help us just kind of get our minds around, better grasp this love of God. And then at the end, we're going to talk just briefly about the difference that it can make for us. So let's look at these verses again, starting in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. Here's what Paul says. He says, "'What then shall we say in response to these things?' If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And so if you're taking notes with us today, I want to identify three things. Here's the first one for us. Do you you want to know what God's love means for us? Here's one example. The first thing is this. Write this down. God is for us. All right, it's, just, it's exactly what Paul says in verse 31, that God is for us. That's what his love means to you and to me. And what a great thought for us. All right, what a great reminder that God is for us. And if God is for us, well then really who could ever be against us? What can stand in our way? Uh, what could ever get us down? What could ever concern us? What could really ever stand against us? Nothing can overcome the love God has for you and for all his let me, let me demonstrate this if I can. I need a volunteer, a young volunteer. Any, anybody right there? You come on up here for a second. We're going to kind of illustrate what this love of God is like. Let's give her a hand as she's coming forward. All right, tell us your name. Claire. Claire, all right. This is Claire. How old are you? 11. 11 years old. Okay, Claire, you get the first prop today. Amazon was kind enough to deliver these for us. All right, the first prop, this is what God's love is like. Do you ever do any cheerleading? Yeah. You do, all right, great. Can you show us a cheer or something? Can you do a herky, right? Can you do a, What about a backflip? Yeah. No backflips for us right now, all right. Well, can you just give that a little shake if you would? All right, okay, and, and what is that? What's that called that you have in your hand? A pom-pom, a pom-pom all right, and what do you use a pom-pom for? to cheer, right. It's to cheer people on. And, you know, in the same way, that's kind of what God's love is like. Here, let, let me give you an example. As I think about growing up when I was your age, I think about things like playing sports, all right. And I played baseball and basketball. I mean, for me, and maybe this is like this for you, Claire, like I love being able to look into the stands and see that my mom and dad were there, right. And so if I got a hit, and I didn't get many hits, but if I got a hit And when I got to first base, I'd always turn And I'd look for my mom and dad, right? And I'd love seeing them cheer and get all excited Or maybe I had a band concert or something And maybe I had a special part in that uh, song And when that song was over, I was always looking over at my mom and dad Because what were they doing? Shake, shake your palm, there you go All right, yeah, they were cheering for, us, cheering for me but I'm sure your parents cheer for you too I, I remember, get this, when I was 25 years old I was playing in a softball tournament I was up to bat and I launched one. I didn't hit many home runs in my life, but I launched one over the left center field fence. And you know what, when I rounded third base and came home, I looked because my mom and dad were there, all right? And I looked over to see them cheering for me as I crossed Home plate. Well, God's love for us is kind of like that pom-pom, all right? It's kind of like what my parents have done for me, or maybe your parents do for you, or grandma and grandpa, or an aunt or uncle or something. Like we look for those special people to be cheering us on. And what a beautiful thing, right? To have that love in our life, to know that God cheers us on, that He is always standing there with us and for us. Let's give Claire a big hand for helping us out this morning. Thank you, Claire. That's what God's love does for us, all right? That's what he's there for. He's there to cheer you on, and that's what God did for Jesus, all right? That's what we see him as a father do for Jesus. I mean, think about that day that Jesus was baptized, all right? God made sure Jesus heard his voice. The scriptures say that when Jesus came up out of the water, a voice from heaven, and Matthew 3, 17 says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Man, can you imagine those words and what that must have meant for Jesus to hear those words from his father? I mean, we would say that those words were very affirming. Those words uh, reminded Jesus of the love that his father had for him. And God says, you know what? God says the same thing about you and me. That's what he says about you. He says, I dearly love you. You bring me great joy. And that's what Paul's words show us too, that God is for us. And if you think about it, I mean, if you think about it, can you imagine the difference it would make in our lives if we would believe just that? If we kept that in mind every day and every moment and every circumstance, that no matter what we go through, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face, no matter how hard you fall, no matter how great you mess up, we have a Father who loves us. And what's the greatest demonstration of that love? Well, it's in verse 32. The Apostle Paul says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He says he didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us. Is there anything more valuable to God than his son? No way. Absolutely not. But God gave up what was most valuable to him, And so if he's willing to give up what is most valuable to him, then shouldn't it mean that we can trust him with just about anything in our lives? That we can trust, that we can count on his love. John Stott says it like this, the cross is a guarantee of the continuing, unfailing generosity of God. I love that. The death of Jesus, the cross of Jesus is a guarantee of the unfailing generosity of God. It's an act that forever demonstrated his love for us. And the cross, what it does is it helps you and I better understand our value to him. It was the cross, that divined our value and worth to him forever. He is for you. He is for us. Let's continue on. Verse 33, Paul says, then who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ." Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us, all right? So again, what does it mean that he loves us? What does the cross mean for us? Here's number two in your notes, all right? We talked about how God is for us. The second thing is that God will forgive our sins, all right? That just says everything about his love and about what he has accomplished for us in Jesus. And what we know is that just as we have a savior in Jesus, we've got an accuser as well, All right, and who's that? Who's that accuser? Well, Revelation 12.10 reminds us that Satan is the accuser. That's part of the role that he plays. That's what he does, and he likes to bring accusations against us. He likes to call out our failures. He likes to point out the wrong that we've done, the mistakes that we've made, and the potential for so much more. And when it comes to the things like the love of God, it's the accuser, it's Satan who who likes to whisper things like, ah, that, that doesn't apply to you. Or, you know what, uh, that might be truth, but you're going to be the exception to that truth. Don't you realize what you've done? And so what he'll do is he'll try and discourage you, and he'll try and, and make you think you're not worthy of God's love. And do you know what? We're not worthy of the love of God. And that's why Jesus is such a big deal for us, and why the gift of the Savior is such a great deal for us. What's the verse say again? Look at Romans eight thirty three and 34 again. It says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who who justifies. That's an interesting word, all right? That word justifies or the word justified, and I think a great way to understand that word, I I heard somebody explain it like this one time. The word justified, I mean, it literally means just as if i never sinned. All right, that's what Jesus has accomplished for us, his death, his resurrection. Therefore, it is just as if I'd never sinned. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are justified. We are made right with God. It is just as if I'd never sinned. And so while we have an accuser in Satan, the good news is that we have a defense attorney in Jesus. And that's the role that he plays as the intercessor. First John chapter 2, verse 1. Look what John says. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And here's how this works. And I need a big kid volunteer now. Who's willing to be my big kid volunteer this morning? Can you find another? Can you bring somebody up with you? Or can you bring up a bigger kid with you? You think your mom will come up with you? Huh? Come on. Come on. She volunteered you, Donnie. Come on up. You guys come on up together. I want to demonstrate. Let's give them a big hand as they come up together. All right. How are you today? Good. Tell us your name. Ava. Ava. And how old are you, Ava? I'm almost 11. You're almost 11. All right. How close to 11? Wednesday. Wednesday? All right, happy birthday to her. Let's give her a big hand and wish her happy birthday, yes. And who do you have with you today? My mom. Your mom, okay. Did she know that you were going to kind of raise your hand and volunteer her to? I don't know. Yeah, will you pay for it later? Huh? Yeah, Yeah, maybe. (laughs) All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold, and you're going to have to be very careful. And I want you to hold this big file, all right, and all these papers in there, okay? And whether it's you, is it heavy or not so heavy? Okay, here, here's what I want you to imagine for a moment. Just let's suppose that this file contained all of the sins you've ever committed, all right? Every piece of paper calls out each individual one, or maybe for your mom, too, all right? And so uh, imagine that being the case. And what if we just started going through them? Let's just imagine these are for your mama. We, whoa, man, like, you, I mean, for, like, if, if one by one we started working through all of these, or yeah, we probably want to get rid of that one, you know. I mean, imagine, okay, so here's the point. Imagine that there was a file like that for every single one of us, again, with every document calling out one by one every sin or mistake that we've ever made, okay? And imagine being in a courtroom all right, and we're in this courtroom, and we're sitting at a table, and we're on trial, and there's a judge that walks into the room, okay? And there's a, there's a prosecutor over there. That's kind of like the accuser that we see in Satan. He likes to call out everything we've ever done wrong. And imagine this file being set before the judge, and one by one, he just starts reading through them and reading off all the charges. See, here's the good news for us. We have a defense attorney in Jesus Christ, and even as one by one, all of these things are being read off, you know what Jesus does for us? He says, I paid for that. Yeah, he dumps it. He'll take it. He'll set it on fire. He'll throw it away. But, but imagine him just working, th- or the judge working through one by one. And for each one, Jesus just steps forward and he said, no, I've paid for that one too. And I've paid for that one. And you know what? You're not going to carry these things any longer because in me... You're free. You've been set free. Isn't that good news for us? Isn't that good news? Yes. All right, let's give her a big hand. Thank you. Thank you. You guys can go have a seat. Can you imagine a terrifying moment like that? All right, just one by one, and those being read off. To the charge of talking back to your mom or dad, and Jesus stepped forward and says, I I paid for that. Or, Or, you know what, to the charge of ignoring your brother or sister, you know, and Jesus says, you know what, I've paid for that one. Or to the charge of cheating on a test, or cheating on a project at school, and Jesus steps forward and said, yep, paid for that one too. Or big kids, to that thought that you had, to that action, that step that you took that no one knows about but you. And to imagine Jesus stepping to your defense and saying, no, I paid for that, and I paid for that one too, and I paid for that one as well. And that's the role that Jesus plays for us. You know, this can be really difficult for us to understand, especially in the world that we live in, that... Oftentimes, our life feels a lot like a courtroom, doesn't it? Tim Keller says it like this He says, Every single day we're in the courtroom, we are on trial. This is the way our identity works. And in the courtroom, you have the prosecution and the defense. And everything we do is either providing evidence for the prosecution or evidence for the defense. And some days we feel like we're winning the trial, and other days we feel like we're losing it. But for the Christian, guess what? The trial is over. We can leave the courtroom because the ultimate verdict is in. He says, Do you realize that 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 it is only in the gospel of Jesus that you get the verdict before the performance? In Christianity, the verdict leads to the performance. And it's a reminder that we're free. You know, as Paul says, we are freed in Jesus Christ. We are empowered, we are adopted, we are redeemed, and we are loved. And there is no sin that is too great for him because Jesus Christ, he's paid for every single sin and every sin of yours and mine. And that's what he accomplished on the cross. And he paid for our sins. And again, he paid for every one of them. And because Jesus died on the cross, he will and can forgive our sins. And that's what it means that he loves us and that he loves us deeply. All right. Last section, verse 35 through 39. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. He says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, one more uh, illustration. I I need two siblings, all right? So I need a... Uh, I I need two siblings to help me out. I'm just looking for the two closest to kind of help me out with that. All right, why don't you two come on up here for a second, all right? Sorry I don't have room for everybody, but come on up. We've got two sisters that are coming right now, and you can come right around here. I think this will work out really well. All right, you two stand right here, and tell me your name. Ella. Ella and and Audrey Kopik. Let's give them a hand for coming forward today. All right. So we need something to help us understand that we will never be separated from the love of God. But I need to ask you, do you trust me? You trust me? Both of you trust me? Okay, here's what we're going to do, all right? What are these called? Okay, all right. Put your wrist out. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to handcuff you two together. And I hope that you really like each other, okay, because, all right, there you go. Okay. Now. Here's the thing. I'd like for you to spend the next week, all right, handcuffed to each other. Do you think you can figure that out? Okay, so e- everywhere you go, all right, anything that you do, the two of you have to do that together, okay? Are you cool with that? You are. You're all for it. Okay, you're not so sure, right? Okay, all right. But, but do you get it? Do you, can, can you begin to understand that what, what he's saying is that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God? No matter where we go, no matter what we do, right? You get it? Okay, and you're, you're connected together. Okay, there's a slight problem. I don't have a key, okay? So, like, you're, you're just going to, are you good with it? Because I, I don't have a key. Are you okay with that? Did you, do you have it by any chance? You, okay, I have a key. I'm just kidding, all right? So let me, let, let's hope that it works. Does it work? Ah, yes, it works, okay, and let's, up. Oh. There there we go. Let's see if we can. There we go. You're free. All right. Let's give him a big hand. You can go ahead and return to your seats. What's he say about the love of God? He says, nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us at all. Write this down in your notes. Last thing God will not leave us. Uh, He's not going to take his love away, he's not going to leave us. Nothing can separate us from him. And that's encouraging, you know, that's encouraging for us, especially when we go through difficult times. And and as Paul explains here, you know, even in the difficult times, even when you're scared, even when you're frustrated, even if you feel like everyone has turned your back on you, even when we mess up, God's not going to take his love away. He will not leave us. His love is not based on conditions. His love is not based on our circumstances. His love for us is not based on performance. He loves us because he loves us. And that love is available uh, to each of us. One, one last verse, Romans 8, 37 again. Look at what Paul says one more time. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I, I gotta say this. There's something about that word loved there that I don't like. It's a little concerning to me. I, I don't know if you see it or not, but it's past tense, right? It's a little concerning to me. Yeah, You just say, he, he loved us. It seems like a little bit of a red flag. It'd be like me walking... Uh, maybe upon a conversation, and my wife is talking to someone, and my wife were to say, oh, yeah, Paul, my husband, I loved him. You know, i would be a little concerning to me. It's like, hey, whoa, 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 wait a second. Let's make that a present tense, you know, sort of a verb here. So what are we to make that he loved us? I heard a friend preach on this. I thought this was so interesting. You know, that word for loved here is actually in what's called the aorist tense. It's an aorist uh, tense participle which means that it's not just pointing to the general past, but it's pointing to something that happened in the past. And so when Paul says, through him who loved us, he's not just pointing to something in the past, he's pointing to a specific event in the past that forever demonstrated what he thinks about you and what he thinks about me and that he loves us. See, the cross is the greatest demonstration ever, that God loves you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for just the fun that we can have in this service today. What What a great family. Lord, I'm so thankful to be a part of this church and just thankful for every person in here today of every age, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would just know the truth in our hearts today that we are deeply loved by you and that you are for us and that you will forgive our sins, and that you'll never leave us. And I pray that in some powerful and amazing way today, that at least for someone, that's just everything they needed for today, to know that they are loved by you. And I just want to remind you, even as we pray, that while that love is available, it's not a love that God forces on us. It's a love that you've got to choose to receive and to expect and to take into your own life. And, that gift is available to you. And if you've never received a gift like that before, we want you to know we'll be up front afterwards. We'd love to talk or pray with you about that love and that love's available to you. And in just a few minutes, we're gonna celebrate those that are are stepping in to live in that love and to live from that love, Lord. God, we thank you. Thank you for the freedom that we have in you. Thank you that you gave your life, that you put your life on the line in Jesus Christ so that we could experience that deep, forgiving love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey,